This message was presented at the GYC 2011 conference. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. All right, let's say a word of prayer and we'll start with uh, our second part of Module 3. Our Father in Heaven, we thank you for this time that we can come again and learn about your word. We've studied some of the principles of small group ministry already this morning. Father, as we dig deep, last, uh, last of all, into different aspects of an effective care group, we pray that your Holy Spirit reveals to us what we need to do in our hearts, but also to implement in our local churches as well. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, my good Australian friend this morning stole my thunder. She preached on the passage in the Bible verse that I wanted to share with you. But don't worry, I'm good friends with Sharissa, so it doesn't matter. Mark chapter 9 is what I wanted to share with you. And verse 27. Mark chapter 9, verse 27. The story is well known. We, we, we covered it this morning. If we were at the morning devotional, we, we went through this passage. I want to focus on 20, verse 27 because it gives us some clues as to the next part that we're going to talk about in our care group or small group model. The Bible says, But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he what? Arose. The significance of this verse is what? If you had to describe this verse in one word, what word would you use? What is the symbol of this verse? What one word could illustrate, could describe, could emphasize the point that this verse is trying to make? Help, okay. Lift. Hand. I like that one. Because the hand is what signifies, the hand is what Jesus uses to lift the person up. Isn't that right? Jesus could have easily said, why don't you get up and walk? Just like, he, just like in other places in the Bible, um, that's what happened when miracles were performed. But Jesus uses his hand, lifts the man up, and he arose. And in small group ministry, in care groups, the hand is extremely important. We are lifting others to Jesus whether it be fellow Adventist members or non-Adventist believers. Does that make sense? Now, the reason I'm going to share with you about the hand is that the hand is a symbol or an example that is used widely in the Bible. When else is the hand used? Okay, you, you know the hand writing on the wall in Daniel? You have Jesus using his hand to what? Form? Adam? When else do you have the hand? Come on, you guys are good Bible students. Seated at the right hand of God. Very good. He uses his hand to hold the little children in his lap, right? The hand in the Bible is a significant symbol because it, uh, it emphasizes and it implies personal touch and care. And that is what care group is all about, isn't it? We use the hand to support, to, to help, to encourage the people that are in our small group ministry. I'm going to spend a little bit of time this uh, morning talking to you about uh, effective or profile of a holistic care group. There are five points. Five points. The profile of an effective holistic care group. I'm going to use the hand as an example to illustrate what these five points are. In my workplace at the Royal Melbourne Hospital where I work, the hand is a significant part of 
my workplace. In fact, this is the official logo. The hands represent one value each. So these are the five values of my hospital. And the hand is, they chose the hand because it symbolized that the, the staff who work at the hospital care about the patients and the patients' families that come through. The first part that I want to share with you, a profile of a holistic care group, I'm going to use the five fingers as an example. I call this the hand illustration or the hand model. Each finger on the hand represents a different aspect or a different characteristic of a holistic care group. The thumb is the most important finger of the hand, isn't it? Without a thumb, what can you do with your four fingers? It's extremely difficult. The thumb provides usually the thing that grasps something. When you hold a cup, when you hold your toothbrush, when you turn a key, when you put, try and button your clothing together, if you cut off your thumb, yes, you can, you can uh, try and do things with your other four fingers, but it's extremely difficult. The thumb is probably the most important finger of your hand. And so likewise, community is the most important aspect of a holistic care group. Community. Without a community, a care group is not an effective small group. Without a friendship circle, as my sister was talking about this morning, care group is not effective. I'm going to share with you some practical examples. This is community, and I'm going to share with you, i highlight a couple of uh, uh, things here. Uh, for those of you who can see the, um, the picture, this is at a recent baptism. When you saw the video, did you see um, the stories of Amo and Vincent? So Amo is the Botswana medical student, and Vincent is the electrical engineering student from China. So they were on the video, and this is their baptism. And their baptism was only about, I think, two, two or three months ago. Yeah, so it's, it's not, not too long ago. And this is our church family, or the care groups, in fact, the university care groups that surrounded that Vincent and Amal attend. This is their community. Um, a few other things. This is my mum, if you can see. Myself, my, sis, my sister somewhere there. I can't, I can't see her. It's too bright. Oh, she's here in the corner. I'm going to share with you some interesting things about this community. Because Vincent felt such an important part, felt such a, a welcome part of this care group, he's now reaching out to a number of friends in the care group as well. This is Fred. Can you see Fred here? Fred's the tall guy. He's also from China. He's an arts and design student. And Vincent now takes it upon himself to regularly check up on, on Fred to encourage him in his walk with Jesus. And Fred has made a decision, decision for baptism. So this community here, without the community, the thumb it is impossible for the care group to function effectively. Now, community goes beyond just meeting for care groups. Remember yesterday we studied that from Ellen White's writings that an effective small group should have what component? should be spiritual and social. For those of you who are here, it should be spiritual and social together. Care groups is not just a spiritual fest. Care group is not a time where you just have fun, but care group is a combination of both. Now, there's a fine balance between enjoying yourself and being spiritual at the same time. I'm going to touch a little bit on that later in the question and answer section. People often say, how do you have fun and yet portray Jesus at the same time? It's a difficult, difficult balance to strike. Here are some of the other things we do as a community. In the top left corner, we're going on a, a bushwalk here in nature, or sorry, a hike in nature. Um, we, we, have, we always have food, especially in the culture that I come from, um, Food is extremely important. You cannot have anything without food in, in the Asian culture. Like, food, food's everything. And down the left-hand corner, they went uh, cherry picking at a farm on a, on a weekend, the day, day trip outing to, to go. Yep. I was going to say, our, our pastor coined it like he said, whenever we meet, 
Uh huh. That's right. Whenever we meet, we eat absolutely. We always have food. Look, there's more food down the, the bottom right corner here. This is a barbecue. This is an interesting. In fact, one of our care group members is a professional tour guide. So he works as he's from China, but his English is extremely fluid. So he works as a tour guide for groups that come in from China and Taiwan and so on and so forth. And so we made our own pseudo tour of some of the international students who have recently come to Melbourne who are studying. We had a barbecue and then uh, Jezreel, one of the care group members, took them on a tour, just like he would take anyone else on a tour. So it's like a free tour of Melbourne. And these guys, we invited them to care group afterwards. You see, you see the link? There's spiritual and there's social at the same time. There's holistic, complete fun. We're not running around, you know, jumping up and, and vandalizing things, but we're enjoying ourselves. We're having a day, in, a day in nature. We're having a barbecue. We're having a meal together. People enjoy themselves, yet at the same time, you maintain a spiritual component. Do you see what I'm trying to talk about? Community is extremely important. Okay? Second point. The index finger, what does the index finger do? The index finger points. It gives direction. You know, usually when I was young, my parents told me pointing is, is rude. Don't point at someone. But it gives direction, doesn't it? The index finger is the finger that gives direction. And likewise, what is our direction? What is our mission in care groups? It's very simple. The Great Commission says, go and make what? Disciples. If you have a care group that does not have at its core, at its mission to make disciples for Jesus, then the care group is not complete or holistic. Just like without the index finger, the hand has no direction, the care group without a mission fails. And we shared with you earlier um, today about the uh, care groups and the effective um, uh, sharing and also witnessing to encourage people to come closer to Christ. I'm going to share with you some examples. I like stories. You guys like stories? I'm going to share with you more stories. The person on the left, is, his name is Daniel. Now, Daniel is a, grew up in a Sunday Christian family, staunch um, Sunday Christian family. I, I believe his dad was a pastor or, or a part of the clergy. And he, he, his story of how he came to, to learn about uh, the Seventh-day Adventist truth is amazing. I don't have time to tell you, but basically he came um, by one of our Bible school tables on campus. He's a university student studying uh, uh, geology at Monash University. And he came along and he refused to take any literature. But he made a promise that morning with God that if someone offered him a book, he would take it. So our Bible workers tried to offer him a pamphlet to invite him to care group, but he refused. like, no, nah, I'm not coming. But then... That morning, one of the Bible workers had brought a copy of the Great Controversy and gave the copy of the Great Controversy to Daniel. And since that time, Daniel has made a decision. He's now baptized. Now, I want to... The story doesn't stop there. The story continues. Daniel is a young student. He's taken over as the president of our club at Monash University. So he's gone from someone who's a Sunday Christian, non-Adventist, coming into the church, coming into the care group setting, witnessing to his friends, to his community, and now he's reproducing by going to make disciples. He's doing active campus ministry on campus. The story doesn't stop in care group when someone becomes an Adventist. The story has to continue. I'm going to share with you the person on the right. The person, uh, the, I'm going to share with you the story of a guy. He's recently married. His name is Stephen. Now, Stephen has a very, very interesting story as well. Stephen is a brilliant mind. He is a human resources um, manager, or he was a human resources manager and uh, executive at one of the largest telecommunications companies um, in Australia. 
staunch atheist. In fact, during his time at Melbourne University when he was studying, he was the president of, I, I, if I, I think he was the president of a number of clubs, and uh, he would love to debate Christians about how atheism was correct. This guy is totally non-Christian at all. Okay. One day, one of his students, who was a, a care group leader at the time, uh, was learning, in, uh, learning Chinese from him, Mandarin Chinese. Uh, and he, he's from China, so he was tutoring Chinese. Invited him to come to care group. So we have a guy who's totally anti-Christian. Like, seriously anti-Christian. In fact, I remember he's sharing his baptism testimony. He, he shared how he would make Christians cry by arguing with them. And so, Kevin, one of, the, uh, he, he, one of his students, invited him to come to care group. Now, if you thought that anyone would hate singing, I think it's probably Stephen. Do you, know, you know what I'm talking about? People are often scared to sing songs at care group because they don't know what non-Adventist people, how they will react. So if you thought that anyone would hate singing, it'd be Stephen. And so Stephen came and he was like, I, I remember, his story is so funny, man. He's like, where's the soft drink? Like he came to the care group for dinner and he was like, where's the soft drink for, for, for care group? And... Um, so he goes on and you know, he came to care group and he thought, I'm never coming back to this place again. It's so boring. They sing songs. Are you guys crazy? So he left. But then he came back the next Friday and he hasn't missed a care group since. Stephen got baptized, made a decision for baptism. He, he quit his job to become a full-time Bible worker and he's going into ministry for God. You see, the story doesn't stop when someone becomes a Seventh-day Adventist. The story doesn't stop when someone is converted. The story has to continue. The mission has to be make what? Disciples. Stephen hasn't stopped because he has been so convinced. So one, a guy who was once a person who is debating Christians is now someone who is winning souls for Jesus. If the mission of your care group is to reach souls for Jesus, it will be successful. So point number one, the thumb represents community. The index finger represents go. Make commission, a mission, pointing to the direction where you want it to go in. I'm going to share with you some more stories. The guy on the left is a guy by the name of Tommy. Tommy holds the distinct record in our church. At our church, we, every time we have a baptism, we encourage or we, spend, uh, we make it a point for all the baptismal candidates to share their personal testimony. We read yesterday from Ellen White's writings that sometimes testimonies have more impact than sermons. And so all the baptismal candidates will usually share their testimony on the Sabbath afternoon when we have our baptism services. And we give them a lot of time, about 5 to 15 minutes. If they speak in a language other than English and it needs translation, maybe 20 minutes. Tommy holds the distinct record for the longest testimony ever. I think it was one and a half hours. Unbelievable. People didn't fall asleep, by the way, because he just kept telling story after story after story. Tommy was a Pentecostal Christian who came to Melbourne to study. He was from Hong Kong. He came, he was converted. Uh, I, I don't have time to tell you the whole story today. But he eventually returned to Hong Kong to work. Now this is amazing because this is discipleship across countries. So he came to Melbourne. He studied in Melbourne. He became an Adventist in Melbourne. He went back to Hong Kong. And today Tommy is working in the conference in Hong Kong. And he's responsible for three to four care groups that meet every Friday night. You see, young people do not stop when they're in the church. We should not stop when we're in the church. We need to continue to make disciples. And when you have an effective care group, everyone is looking for who can be the next person. 
who can be the next person that I reach? Who can be the next person that I talk to? Does that make sense? The comforting thing is that you can do it too. You can do it too. This is not just confined to Daniel or Stephen or Tommy or anyone we show on the screen. These are just real life examples to encourage you that you can be someone who can be a soul winner too. Do you say amen to that? Okay, more stories. Here we go, I like stories. I shared, for those of you who were here yesterday, I, I shared this with you. Um, uh, William is the second person on the, on, from the right. I, I worked with William for a period of time, giving Bible studies to a number of uh, seekers in our care group. William was a se- second generation Adventist who came from Indonesia to study in Melbourne. He studied uh, business at Monash University. He, some, uh, he, he came to, to Melbourne um, and was looking for something more real in his personal spiritual life. And so through a number of uh, experiences where he experienced the Holy Spirit uh, come into his life and convert his heart, William became excited and enthusiastic. He, he uh, did Bible studies here with a number of people. He helped up in the care group. He helped up in the student club when he was here. He's now returned to Indonesia where he has a faithful care group that has about 10 people every Friday night. In that care group, there are three members and seven seats. So discipleship is not confined to Australia, it's not confined to Melbourne, it's not confined to here in Houston, Texas. It can be applied anywhere, any culture, any race, any background, and in any demographics. All you need is community and a direction. And there's three other parts we're coming to. Okay, middle finger. What does the middle finger represent besides, besides being the rude finger in, the, in Western society? The middle finger is what? The longest finger. The, the tall, tallest, highest, whatever you want to call it. It's the longest finger. And it stands up above the other fingers. And so therefore, the middle finger in the hand illustration represents leadership. If there's no effective leadership in any group, let alone a small group, it's going to be difficult. In the Bible, in, in Proverbs chapter 29, tells us that without a vision, what happens? that people perish. If there's no effective leadership, if there's no good leadership for people to look towards in a small group setting, people will suffer. Now someone asked the question yesterday, what makes an effective care group leader? How do you pick a good care group leader or what are the characteristics of someone who would be suitable to lead out in a small group setting? My sister, I think, uh, uh, show... Uh, displayed a diagram this morning showing the structure of a care group. I'm just going to go into a little bit more detail here. The profile, I've left a little blank space in the workbook for you to copy some of this down. The profile of a care group leader can be summarized into these key characteristics. Now, this is not an exhaustive list. This is just a, uh, some pointers that can help you, to guide you, to, to look at whether you or someone else in your, in your church or your setting could be an effective care group leader. The first, the first aspect is that a good care group leader should have a heart for what? People. Yesterday we read in Ellen White's writings that a good care group or a good small group ministry reaches the hearts of the people around us. If a care group leader does not have a heart for people, how are we going to reach people for Jesus? I want to add to that, in fact, uh, by default, a heart for people implies that the Holy Spirit has already come into the life of that care group leader. Does that make sense? Point two, we know why we are SDA Christians. This is extremely important. In fact, yesterday we raised the point 
that there are many non-Adventist groups out there who have very vibrant small group ministry. But as Adventists, we have a unique privilege in the sense that we have good tools, but we have a what? Unique message at the same time. If a care group leader does not know the unique message of the Seventh-day Adventist church, it is difficult to share. It's difficult to share with the non-believers in the group about the so-called peculiarities of our faith. A care group leader should be spiritually grounded, should be a living word. A care group leader should also be a relational and authentic person, re-emphasizing the point that the care group leader needs to be a good community member. A good care group leader is not functional only. You know, sometimes in our lives, it's easy to look after logistics, to organize. Okay, who can, who can cook the food for care group? Who's going to lead the songs? Who's going to do the lesson? Who's going to help with the sharing? Who's going to send the seekers home after, after we finish? Those things are important. Logistics are important. Organization is important. But a profile or a good care group leader focuses on people and logistics at the same time. And I've discovered that point, able to organize effectively. So good organization, good spiritual grounding at the same time. In our care group, we have a little bit of a profile diagram. I'm going to spend a little bit of time illustrating this a little bit better. Some of you may have copied this picture down already. If not, feel free to copy it down. In the yellow box, we have a care group leader. In a group of about 8 to 10, there's one care group leader. We also have someone who is known as a care group carer. We call them a carer. So the person in the blue triangle on that diagram. The carer is someone who assists the leader. Okay? So the care group carer is someone who assists the leader in praying for the group, in supporting an organization, in helping to look out for the different seekers. You can imagine if you have a group of 10, you have five, and you have five members and five seekers. It's difficult for the care group leader to manage all the logistics and to also look out for the five seekers at the same time. So the carer is there to assist the care group leader to make sure that nothing is missed and that all the members in the care group or all the people in the care group are looked after, members and seekers alike. When we use the term members here, members refers to Adventist believers. Adventist believers. When we use the term seeker in the red circle, they refer to non-Adventist Christians. Okay? Oh, sorry, non-Adventist believers. So we have leader, carer, member, seeker. Does that make sense? And there's an interchange between the two. The members reach out to the seekers. The leader reaches out to the members, reaches out to the seekers. The carer reaches out to all. The members help the leader as well. The members contribute to the care group and so do the seekers. I'm going to come to the care group coordinator in a, in a little bit of time. Um, in the next point, in the next finger, in fact. So just bear with me on that for a second. You following me so far? Thumb for community, index finger for mission, direction, point, middle finger for leadership. So you know now the components of forming a small group. You know now looking a little bit deeper into what sort of characteristics, what sort of roles you have to fill. It's not that hard. You guys can do it. You don't, you don't look like you. <laughs> you guys can do it. It's not that hard. I'm going to share with you uh, a, a story of Sylvia. Sylvia was a Buddhist who comes from Indonesia. She's um, a young professional who works as an architect in Melbourne. Sylvia came to know about the Adventist truth through her friend, Chai Tien, 
who came to know about the Adventist truth through her sister, who attended an Adventist school in Singapore before coming to Melbourne to further her studies. So it's all a chain. In fact, if you look at our church, and you no, know, I wish I had more time just to... I can draw a family tree of our church and show you how everyone's linked to everyone else, not because they're related, blood-related, but because they came into the church because of all these connections. Anyway, getting back to Sylvia. So Sylvia became an Adventist through her friend Chai Tien, and so she... Uh, through her experience, she became a care group uh, member, then a care group leader, and then a care group coordinator. And she's now a counsellor in our Gateway East Church in, in uh, Melbourne. Sylvia is someone who has sacrificed her time, her energy, her efforts. She sacrificed her personal uh, uh, time. In fact, she took some time off to, um, to uh, work in the, especially work in the project to set up a church plan. Sylvia is just one of the examples that we have of someone who's gone from a non-believer to a leader. Not just a care group leader, a care group coordinator, but now a leader in the church. Remember that care groups is always bringing people where? To church. We are not separate from the church structure. Sylvia is an active leader in the church because she was able to come through the care group system, reach out to people, learn how to reach people's hearts, and then mentor and coach others to do the same. Does that make sense? Okay, forefinger. What does the ring finger represent? You guys call it fourth, fourth ring finger? Yeah? What does it represent? It's usually the finger they put the ring on, right? Yeah? And so the ring represents accountability because when you put a ring on the finger, you signify that you belong or you are united with someone else. And so likewise, in a care group, in a small group ministry situation, if there's no accountability, the care group is not complete. Now I say this with all respect because sometimes it may be difficult to try and picture in your mind, you're sitting there, you might be thinking, well, what, what do you mean by accountability? Does it mean I have to uh, uh, like run everything by, by someone or, or, or just go and do it myself? What's accountability mean? I'm going to share with you some practical examples. Accountability in a care group means a number of things. There is an association between the leader and the carer. The carer and the leader are the two people that lead the care group. They work together. They need to be accountable to each other. They need to be responsible to help each other out. There is a care group in our church. We have a leader's monthly care group meeting. The care group coordinator is the person who sits on the church board who looks after all the different care groups in our church. And this care group coordinator has a monthly meeting with all the different care group leaders. You see, when you're dealing with uh, uh, people, when you're dealing with people, sometimes things can get a little bit delicate. When you're dealing with logistics, it's very simple. You need five chairs, you get five chairs. You need two pots of food, you get two pots of food. But when you're dealing with people, especially people who may move care groups or people who come in for a while and then go out or, or, or move from a student to a young professional and when you're trying to juggle people and you're trying to reach people, when you're trying to organise people, it's difficult. And so when you have a meeting where you are able to come on the same page as care group leaders together... The computer just died. If you're able to come together as a, a, uh, a, a group of care group leaders together with a care group coordinator, you are able to actually do what? Maintain accountability on the same page. Does that make sense? 
Okay, so let's revise. Thumb? Index finger? Middle finger? Ring finger? Okay, you guys sound like you're dying. Come on. <laughs> Wake up a little bit more. Okay, last one. We'll come back to the accountability steps in a, in a second when the computer comes back to, back to life. Last one. What, what, what's the little finger represent? Balance, okay. Any other ideas? The little finger is what? The weakest finger, isn't it? It's, it's the toughest. But the little finger is the weakest. And technically, in, the hospital, in my job, I've seen people who function without the little finger before. You can actually function. So if someone loses their finger, I remember someone lost their finger and came into the emergency department when I was uh, working in the country, so it was a pretty amazing thing. But uh, they, they were able to function without a little finger. Okay? So you can function without a little finger. But is, it, is your hand complete? No. And so likewise, the little finger... As disciples of Jesus, we need to work as individuals, but also what? As a corporate group. As a group. And so the little finger represents equipping. It represents equipping. Equipping for what? Equipping and training to become disciples. When you stand alone as one disciple, you struggle. But when you are trained and equipped as an army of bands of little fingers standing together, you're more successful. Does that make sense? When the community comes back, I'm going to share with you a little bit about what we do. When we say that our direction is to make disciples, we make an intentional step in our church to, to bring that to fruition. As people who, become, as people who uh, come to care groups become Adventists, they move into what we call a discipleship program. A discipleship program translates people from spiritual babies to spiritual workers to spiritual disciples. Spiritual disciples are people who what? Are people who live out Christ's character in their life. And so by default, reaching other people's hearts is natural. Does that make sense? And so um, one of the programs that we use, and I'm going to put this caveat in, that discipleship, there is no one way for discipleship. Okay? What we're sharing here with you today as well for small group ministry this is not the be-all and end-all. This is not the only way you can do small group ministry. But this is one way that we've experienced and we've found effective in our church. And what we're sharing is our all personal stories. These people I work with when I fly back on Sunday to Australia, I'll see these people. Likewise, the discipleship program in our church is something that we've found extremely useful. Now, it may work in your church, it may not. But this has proven to be very successful in our church. We use a program called FAST, and FAST is based here in the United States. It's developed by, uh, by uh, one of the pastors here who now pastors in Chicago. You can go online on Google and Google FAST. FAST is a discipleship program that's intentionally bringing people from a baptized spiritual baby to a disciple. Okay, we've got the computer back. Excellent. All right, so we'll just go back to the accountability bit while we're... Um, Finishing up there. So we, we were talking about uh, care group coordinators on the church board. We look at that care group meeting. They review the different types of studies that they do in the care group. They review the structure that they have in the care group. Uh, they also review how they can support and channel people to other ministries as well. Make sense? I'll just give you guys some time to, to jot that down. I've covered most of those points already. There's accountability between care groups, between care groups and the church at large.
All right. So we're talking about equipping. I'm going to read this uh, quote here from, from the pen of inspiration. He who begins with a little knowledge in a humble way tells what he knows while seeking diligently for further knowledge will find the whole heavenly treasure awaiting his demand. The more he seeks to impart light, the more light he will receive. The more one tries to explain the word of God to others with a love for souls, the plainer it becomes to himself. The more we use our knowledge and exercise our powers, the more what? Knowledge and power we shall have. The more you exercise yourself as a Seventh-day Adventist Christian in a small group ministry setting, the more you will gain for yourself as a Christian. Does that make sense? If you do not exercise your knowledge, your powers, your sharing the gospel with others, if you do not exercise witnessing for Jesus, you become lazy. And therefore, it's such a critical part of care group ministry that you witness to others, share with others. I was talking to you a little bit before about the FAST principles here, the FAST program that we use. Go from an unbeliever who comes to care group to a spiritual baby to a disciple to a worker for Jesus. Does that make sense? FAST is just one tool that you can use to make discipleship work. It takes time. There are certain modules and I'll... I'll just uh, go over them briefly. In fact, what we do is we... Uh, so basically, when a non-Adventist comes to care group, we, we bring them in, we share with them about Jesus, they feel comfortable, they belong to the community, we share with them about the Adventist truth, they make a decision for baptism, they stand up, they're baptized, they become an Adventist Christian. At that point, we re-emphasize the need for discipleship to help them to grow in their spiritual walk for them to get to a state where they are able to do what? Share with others who have just come into the care group system. Do you see how it's a flowing cycle? Come into care group as a non-believer, personal Bible study, make a decision for baptism. When you're baptized, you go into a discipleship program that helps to train and equip you to go back to the start and witness to those people who are coming in where you once were. That is the story of Daniel. That is the story of Stephen. That is the story of Sylvia. That is the story of all the people that we have shared this weekend with you. It's all the same. You guys can do it too. You guys can do it. It's not hard. In the Fast Discipleship Program, once a person comes into the church and are baptised, they join a a module called Survival and then there's a basic module, a Team Tactics module. In fact, I think just across the the corridor, one of my good friends, Vikram, is sharing about this thing in his discipleship seminar. So maybe you guys uh, can go there. No, okay, after this. Or listen to the recording online. He's sharing about this, the principles. Vikram goes to my church as well in Melbourne. And so these are the things. All of us in our church have gone through this system because this tool helps us to maintain our focus on being effective disciples for Jesus. Does that make sense? I want to share with you uh, the story of these uh, two ladies. The person on the right is Ramila. Ramila was, uh, her family was a, a Sunday Christian family and came to know about the Adventist truth when she, I think she was a teenager, so when mid, mid-teens, I think that's correct. So Ramila is one of, the, um, the, one of our church members who's very involved in care groups. She, in fact, is a leader of a, one of the young professional care groups in our, in our church uh, that has recently uh, multiplied into two groups because it got too big with too many uh, non-Adventists coming. And she's also very involved in our discipleship model. She's very involved in helping young members to grow and to develop into disciples and into workers. 
In fact, you see, Marmila also teaches one of the uh, Sabbath school classes, which doubles up as a discipleship class, which encourages a lot of our church members who have been newly baptized to continue to be disciples. In our church, we have what we call an integrated discipleship model, which is a little bit here. It's, it's hard to, to, to take in all at once. I just want to quickly um, illustrate here. What we're trying to put in place is a system that looks after someone from when they entered the church as an unbeliever to when they become a believer, to when they become a worker. All these things that are on the screen are, are an integrated process. And yesterday when we were sharing some of the stories of our church, it's an integrated process which illustrates the, the need to combine all these different aspects to help the care group to be successful and to function. Does that make sense? So here you have elders and ministry leaders on the left-hand side. You have the discipleship class, the fast class that we're talking about. We have care group as a big section. When people are baptised in our church, we also have something called a spiritual guardian program, which means that someone, usually their Bible teacher, who is already their friend and their care group member, uh, commits to being a spiritual guardian for them for a year. In other words, to specifically look out for them in the church in the first year after they're baptised, to make sure that they're supported in their new stage of, of Christian growth. Then we also have uh, the Bible teachers as well at the top. All these things are put in place to equip people once they're baptized. Does that make sense? So let's do some revision. Thumb is? Community. Index finger is? Middle finger is? Uh, ring finger is? And little finger is? Equipping. These five characteristics help you to make an effective, holistic care group program. I wanted to share with you as we are finishing up about the different care groups. We started here, down here. This is a map of the world down here in Australia. And I didn't get to update this map in time. There are a, little, a few more spots here um, that I should have put in. You see, I think God has blessed us in, in, in Melbourne and Australia. I'm sure God can bless you wherever you're from. That our church has the privilege of being able to send disciples back to their own country to do similar work where they come from. And I don't think you guys are any different because everyone here is coming together at GYC but then going back to their respective local churches, whether they're in America or elsewhere in the world. And you guys can do the same thing that God has blessed us with in Melbourne. In fact, if you look here, there are care groups all over the world. There's Malaysia, Singapore, Thailand, Hong Kong, Taiwan, China, some in the US here. This little dot in the middle of nowhere is not out of place. This is Mauritius. It's an island in the, uh, the ocean there. Um, in, in Indonesia, in Europe, in New Zealand, and of course in Australia as well. This is powerful. Small group ministry is something that is not unique to any one church, any one thing. Anyone can do it. If the disciples can do it, if the early SDA pioneers can do it, we can do it too. Share with you some of the stories here. Um, this person here on the left, uh, sorry, on the right, uh, Erwin, my, my sister, shared with you. Remember the long chain of pictures that she showed you yesterday for those of you who were here? Uh, Erwin, a lot of people have come to the church because of the, the co connections with Erwin with um, and he runs a care group in Surabaya. Steven recently is spearheading the effort in Mauritius. He's from Mauritius initially and he started about three to four care groups in Mauritius and they're very excited. There's groups there in Indonesia, in Thailand, in, in Hong Kong, in Taiwan, in the US, everywhere. There are people who are going back. You know, in fact... Uh, this is so amazing. When you study the book of Acts, we don't have time to cover it today, but when you look at the church of Antioch, 
in Acts, this is what happened. If you, if you go back and study the, the, the church of Antioch in the Acts of the Apostles, you see that a lot of people came to Antioch for, for training, for, for trade, for work, for whatever, and then they went back to their local church or they went back to their local city and started something similar so that when Paul went around the place, he was able to see different groups. Remember yesterday when we went through all the references to small groups in the New Testament, whenever Paul went to a city, there was a house for him to go to. How was it that there was a small group already in a place before Paul got there? Because the people had come, had learned about the same things, gone back to their place, set up a church, so that when Paul and his missionary friends came to that city, they knew immediately where the care group was. It is my dream to see that in every city in the world, when you go, there's a care group that you can go to. Can you say amen to that? If, they, if in Melbourne in the 1900s, they can have 2,000 care groups in a week... We can do it. If you have one a week anywhere in the world, that would be powerful. So that when you guys come to Melbourne in Australia, you can visit our care group. When we come over here, we can visit your care group. How cool is that? Uh, and my sister showed the slide already. These are the current care groups. There's a few more that we didn't put up on the screen, but these are the current care groups in Melbourne City itself in our church here in 2011. You saw in the video in 2003, we started with how many care groups? One. And today, there's so many because God has blessed. I'm going to talk a little bit, spend a little bit of time talking about uh, frequently asked questions now. Um, before we get to the question and answer session, I know it's 11.40, so I'll try and keep this short, and then we'll try and open it up. Okay? There's some questions here that people often ask, and these may be the questions in your mind, so we'll try and cover it so that everyone gets the benefit. How do I start a care group? Well, the answer is simple. You have received care group training. Woohoo! You've done three modules of care group training here at GYC, or two, or one and you have the basic principles that you can take back. Find two or three other members that can support you. Share the vision and values together. As a core member group, start your discipleship training. Help yourselves to see that the vision that you need to have is to win souls for Jesus. Make a list of your friends, of seekers that you can invite and pray for. Commit to have a weekly care group at a convenient time. For us, the time is Friday night because we want to encourage our seekers who are non-Adventists and non-Christian in most cases to keep Sabbath. It's quite hard to keep Sabbath if you have no concept of God. For a Christian, it's a little bit easier. But if you have a non-Christian come, we find that if we keep Sabbath together on Friday night, it makes it easier for them because by default they associate Friday night with care group. Does that make sense? But that doesn't, say, that doesn't mean that you have to have it on Friday night. So location, a home preferably, being a leader, being a carer, agree on the holistic ingredients, the hand illustration. If there's no seeker, there's what? No care group. Very important principle. No seeker equals no care group. Care group is not a care group if it's members only. Try it out for six to eight weeks and come back after six to eight weeks and see how you're going, have a meal together, celebrate a little bit, have a prayer and a social together as a core membership group just to make sure that you guys are on the same page. Does that make sense? All right. How do I know my care group is growing? This is like the million dollar question. Numbers is not the answer. Numbers is not the answer. The success of a care group is the spiritual health of its members and what? It's seekers. When you see in Gospel Workers, page 193, where it says, your success does not depend upon your knowledge and accomplishments as upon your what? Ability to find your way to the heart. When your seekers start to become more and more spiritually interested, when they, need, they feel the need to dig deeper, 
you can tell that your seekers and your members are growing spiritually. Does that make sense? A K-group is successful if the spiritual depth continues to increase for everyone, members and seekers alike. How do I get people involved to own the group? This is a question. I'm the only one in my church. If I go back, how do I find people to get excited? Get excited to participate in the small group ministry. The core members must see the vision together. If, if there's no common vision, it's very difficult to run the, the, the group because everyone has a different agenda for what the group is to achieve. Involve your seekers. My sister mentioned getting people to cook. Sometimes seekers will voluntarily choose songs or, 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 or share and things like that. And they feel like they're part of the community if they're involved. Sometimes we get our seekers to help us out with organizing logistics for outings because that's something simple that they, they enjoy and they, they, they like to do. Oh, I'll help out with organizing the food or the transport to get to our, to get to our barbecue. Everyone gets to share before prayer, drawing people out and also all to pray, group sharing and uh, pairing prayers. Uh, we are trying to emphasize the importance of involvement of lay members and seekers alike in every aspect of care group. Does that make sense? We need to be careful. These are just key points here. We need to be careful on the terms of, uh, and, and jargon at care group. We as a principle do not use Ellen White material at care group because we find that it confuses too many people. It's not because we don't believe in it. Uh, no, I've quoted Pen of Inspiration a lot in our, in our modules. But um, we, we, we find it more effective when we share it at a later stage, when the spiritual interest increases. We also don't discuss church, church stuff at, at care group. So if you have board meetings or business issues, Keep that out of care group. The, the, the seekers get only get confused and jump to conclusions or draw assumptions if we start talking about different things that are happening in the church. It's not a church board meeting, it says there. Okay, here's a difficult one. How to handle a members-only care group. So in your church, you may have a group or if you start a group and uh, the seekers disappear and you're left with six members or five members, make sure as a group you consider your visions and, and, and values. You need training, yes, but you also need to pray for your seekers. We've had difficult situations in the past where groups have had to shut down and redistribute because there was no seekers. And when you stay for too long as a group without seekers, you start to focus on yourself and you start to lose your vision. Does that make sense? And I'm happy to talk to you um, personally if you have specific questions about this. But the key principle here is that you need to always maintain your eyes on the vision and values and make sure that you move and, and split and redistribute if you need to. Don't be afraid to. But then again, you can always pray uh, for, for seekers as well. One more. My group is too big. So if you have a group that's 25 in your house and you're wondering how am I going to cook for 25 people every week, Identify your leaders early. Try and find people that are willing to step up to the plate to become carers and leaders who can assist in, if you want to multiply a care group. Share with your seekers that they have a choice to go between the two care groups. Multiply. Our care groups, when they become too big, we multiply. In fact, in our East Church, we've just multiplied from two university care groups to three and from one young professional to two young professional groups because we're too big. And when it gets too big, you miss the intimacy and miss the personal closeness and involvement with the people in your kingdom. Um, and then there's obviously some principles that you can draw there about um, how to multiply and distribute yourselves. 
I want to leave you with this thought. Small group ministry has been done before. Small group ministry is being done today. Small group ministry will be done in the future. There's no doubt about it. But the question is, when are we going to get on board? The Holy Spirit is waiting to impart on us to change our hearts, to change our lives, to be ready to do small group ministry. Remember that small group ministry is a component and a complementary part of church life. I want to propose two things at this point in time. I want you to think in your mind. Jot down three points on a piece of paper on your workbook module, maybe on the back page where there's notes. Jot down three points, three practical points that you want to pray about in our prayer time as we finish. Maybe it could be, God, help me to identify other people in my church that I can work with. Or maybe, God, help me to identify a place where I can have a small group. Or, God, help me as I talk to my church board about working out how to to run a small group ministry in my church. Or maybe, God, help me to, um, uh, to, to, to think of people that I can invite to come. I want you to jot down three points. And we're going to spend some time in prayer. What I'm going to do um, after that is uh, we'll spend two to three minutes praying in groups. We'll come back together, pray as a big group. I'm going to do the question and answer section at the end of the prayers because I'm conscious that some of you might want to go and I don't want to hold you. It's been a long session with lots of material. Uh, We'll spend about 10 minutes in prayer. We'll then go into question and answer for for 10 minutes until 12 when, when the session is supposed to finish. And um, that question and answer section is going to be specifically on principles of small groups. If you have a question about your specific situation in your local church, in your country, in your conference, whatever it is, I'm happy, my sister and I are happy to talk to you after the conclusion of the module because it gives us more time to sort of sit down and talk and allows other people to attend the next plenary session if they wish to. This message was recorded by Fountain View Productions for GYC. GYC a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based and Christ-centered Christians. To download or purchase other resources, visit us online at gycweb.org.